Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the Hospital Finance Podcast. The idea of healthcare risk adjustment is something that's discussed pretty broadly today in uh, in our space, and to help me answer some of the common questions related to healthcare risk adjustment is Laura Legg, who is the Solutions Strategy Director here at Bessler. Laura, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Mike, for having me today. It's a pleasure to be here. And it's a pleasure to talk with you. Laura, first off, why don't you tell us what healthcare risk adjustment is? Well, risk adjustment is a modern payment methodology. And what it does is it uses demographics and diagnoses to determine a risk score which then predicts how costly the individual's care will be for the coming year. Now, the model you're hearing talked about most of the time these days is HCCs, and that is CMS's model called Hierarchical Condition Categories. Now, those HCC categories have been around for a while, but they were primarily used in the past for Medicare Advantage plans. But now in the world of value-based purchasing, we're seeing contracts uh, being signed for other payers as well. And Laura, why did CMS implement the HCC methodology? Well, there were a couple of reasons, Mike. And the, the whole idea of the HCC methodology is to pay providers for more complicated patients. So the HCC model encourages providers and health plans to take care of those patients who are sicker, ensuring that Medicare beneficiaries receive the highest quality of care. So risk adjustment in HCCs were mandated in the Balanced Budget Act in 1997 and implemented to Medicare Advantage plans in 2004. So payment to providers is based on an individual's risk-adjusted score. Now, an example of that, Mike, would be, say we have a couple, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, who are both have Medicare coverage. Mr. Jones has no chronic illnesses and primarily just sees this provider for his yearly wellness check, and maybe one or two minor complaints. But his care isn't very costly, and he, has a low, he would have a low risk adjustment score. However, his wife, Mrs. Jones, has diabetes and a diabetic kidney condition that she takes multiple medications for. Now, this requires her to see her provider one to two times per month. So Mrs. Jones has a much higher risk-adjusted score, and her care is more complex and requires greater resources. So HCC, or risk adjustment, allows Mrs. Jones's provider to be fairly compensated for her care. Got it. And Laura, how are risk adjustment scores calculated? Well, there's primarily two things that are used. Um, groups of similar diagnosis codes consume similar resources. So each HCC, or hierarchical category condition, is assigned a weight, much like a DRG weight. That impacts the patient's risk score and determines payment. So the two components are demographics and uh, the disease burden component, which is determined by the individual's ICD-10 diagnosis codes. So each member is assigned a risk adjustment factor that identifies the health status of the patient. HCCs are similar to DRGs in that patients are grouped into categories who are expected to have the same similar cost patterns. So let's break down a couple of the terms that you said there, Laura. First, what does the demographic component include? The demic 
demographic component is the age, sex, disability status, eligibility status, and whether or not the member lives in a community or an institution. So when you're gathering all that data at the front end and registration or access, it's essential that that data be accurate so that those demographics are figured into the risk adjustment score correctly. And likewise, what does the disease burden component include? Well, that's your ICD-10 diagnosis codes, and there are more than 3,500 of those diagnosis codes that actually affect HCC of the individual. Some of the common ones would be chronic conditions such as uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, vascular disease, congestive heart failure, uh, and say diabetes. And HCCs are additive, meaning that multiple chronic conditions result in a higher risk factor score. Laura, how many patients are covered under the risk-adjusted model, and is there a benefit for the patient? Well, you know, it's surprising, Mike, that there are already more than 75 million individuals currently covered by a risk-adjustment payment methodology. So under the risk-adjustment model, uh, higher-risk payments are able to find and afford health insurance, so that's a plus for patients. The other plus for patients is they are identified then for the risk the care management programs or disease intervention programs that are available to them. Okay. Laura, how is the diagnosis data used in the calculation of the risk-adjusted scores? Well, all of the providers report diagnoses with using ICD-10 codes. Uh, now, not every diagnosis will what we call risk-adjust or MAP-2 and HCC. Acute illnesses and injury don't really predict ongoing costs. So instead of that, we use long-term conditions such as diabetic, pulmonary disease, heart disease, multiple sclerosis, things like that, that do a risk-adjustment model. Uh, they're usually severe conditions. There are also some uh, risk-adjusted models for younger groups that use pregnancy and congenital abnormalities. The diagnosis codes are submitted on the claims by the provider uh, after a face-to-face -face encounter and include the clinical findings of that encounter. Laura, how can providers prepare for payment under an HCC model? Well, this is a great question, Mike, and it's so important that providers begin to think about this because these models are becoming more and more prevalent under value-based payment model. So providers should audit their documentation and make sure that they're really painting that clinical picture accurate and having those clinical conditions in their documentation. They should also monitor and decrease their use of unspecified ICD-10 codes because those unspecified codes don't really fully describe the patient's clinical condition and therefore they may not always map to a correct HCC. Now, they also should be auditing their ICD-10 coding to be sure that it's correct. And after they do these audits of their education and training can be conducted based on the results of the audit. And conducting an annual audit will ensure the documentation and coding accuracies are sustained. So it's really just a performance improvement plan that, that includes um, auditing and follow-up. Is it possible for providers to lose financial opportunities under the HCC payment program? And how, if so, how can that risk be minimized? Yes, Mike, I was really surprised when I did my research at the amount of revenue that can be lost 
through inaccurate HCC. And really, the medical documentation, when it lacks the accuracy and specificity needed to assign the appropriate diagnosis codes, providers face the possibility of reduced payment under the, under the performance-based payment model. Now, if a chronic condition is not documented every year, that diagnosis will do what we call fall off, which means it won't be calculated in the HCC score and then it will lower the risk adjustment score and the provider will be paid less for the coming year. Good clinical documentation and accurate coding really paint a complete clinical picture and that's really what providers need to do in order to get a correct risk adjustment score. Laura, what are some common risk reduction strategies that can be implemented for strong performance under the HCC payment model? Well, let me talk, Mike, about several of those. There really is a lot that providers can be doing right now to prepare themselves for this ever-increasing model that's come upon us. Um, one of the most important things is for providers to document and code all chronic conditions. Since HCC model is built around the prediction of what those chronic illnesses are going to cost, it's really important to capture those for your Medicare and Medicaid patients or anyone that's being paid under risk adjustment. And, and remember that these are adjusted annually, so you want to be sure that these chronic uh, conditions after being caught one year don't fall off the following year because, as we know, uh, those chronic conditions hang around for a very long time. Another thing providers can do is, is be very specific in their documentation. An example of that is clarify whether or not a diagnosis is current or history of. In order for coders to really code correctly, they have to know, for, for example, on a neoplasm, if uh, the provider has documented breast cancer, the coder needs to code that either as a current neoplasm or as a history of. But, of course, the coder can't get that unless it's specified by the provider. So really important to be very specific and, and clarify. Another thing they can do, Mike, is uplist the, update the patient's problem list regularly. We know that sometimes problem lists stay around for so long that problems don't fall off that are no longer considered a problem for the patient. So they're often brought forth, copied and pasted and that sort of thing. So just be sure that you're checking uh, quarterly to make sure that the patient's problems lists are, are updated and that coders are not coding things that are inappropriate from them. The other thing that I often tell coders, Mike, is be sure that they're not using um, the super bill to code from. So that's an old habit, but it simply doesn't allow a provider to see all the diagnosis options available to him or her. It's usually a really limited generic list. So be sure the provider has all of the choices to get the accurate code when all the choices are available. Another thing, Mike, is encouraging providers to increase their uh, coding depth. And what I mean by that is instead of only coding like one or two diagnoses for each patient visit, to be all inclusive and really include the diagnosis codes all of them for what brought the patient into the office that day. And also any condition that the provider monitors, evaluates, assesses, or treats should be included in that documentation. 
And Mike, just a couple more real quickly, but they're both very important. The number one one is to avoid using unspecified codes. We know that our payers are looking for a level of specificity for each encounter. And for example, when a patient has congestive heart failure, our payers, uh, CMS as well as others, are looking for the provider to specify the type and acuity. So instead of just saying heart failure, we're really looking for the provider to say a chronic, diastolic, or systolic uh, heart failure. So documentation should be present in the record for type and acuity on each diagnosis. And last but not least, Mike, it's really important to link manifestations and complications. Coders can assume there's a connection between conditions listed in the medical record. The provider actually needs to provide a link by just using some terms such as because of, due to, and associated with. So an example of that might be a patient who has diabetes, and because of that diabetes, they also have chronic kidney disease. So instead of listing those separately, the provider simply needs to say diabetes or chronic kidney disease associated with diabetes. So they're really simple, Mike, but those are just some tips that payers can use, use to make sure that they have a strong performance under HCC. Great information, Laura, and thank you for joining me today and helping us understand more about healthcare risk adjustment. You're welcome. Glad to be here. If you enjoy the Hospital Finance Podcast, please head up to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a positive review. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.